Hi there and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Kieran Thomas, and I wanna thank you so much for being here and being a proactive parent and getting the resources that you need to let your child live their most fulfilling and independent life possible. When my own son was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies and there was nothing else that we could do for him but manage his symptoms the rest of his life. But I didn't wanna do that. Fortunately, my background in craniosacral therapy Look, now 30 years, let me know that the brain can and does heal, but I didn't know that much about autism. What I did know is that I didn't want to just mask the symptoms with dangerous drugs. I wanted to find the causes and work with them naturally. And fast forward, it took me a decade and a lot of time and effort, but today my son is no longer diagnosable with autism after being told it could not happen. So I'm here to share with you valuable resources to save you the time and some of the expense that I had to spend to figure it out and to help you let your child lead to their best results possible. Every child's level of recovery is different, but we know that children who couldn't sleep through the night are sleeping now through the night and happily. Their immune systems are now strong where they were once sick all the time. Children who were nonverbal and their parents were told they could never speak are now speaking. Children who were getting D's and F's in school are getting A's and B's. And those that were so anxious all the time and couldn't sit still and, and were uncomfortable in their own bodies are now calm and happy and relaxed. And they're leading fulfilling and independent lives with friends. This is what we want for our kids. So I'm here to share the resources with you so that you can get the best results for your child the best possible. And you can start that right now with my free download of this top seven foods to eliminate beginning today of the top foods that are the most inflammatory and toxic that are contributing to those physical and behavioral symptoms of autism that your child is having. They're making his life uncomfortable. So you can get that right now at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash seven foods and feel free to share that with anybody you know who would be interested. And I will also link to it in today's show notes. There's of course a lot more than diet, but this is something you could start doing today that will begin to reduce those symptoms. And I'm happy to share everything I can with you. So right now, let's dive into today's episode. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Naturally Recovering Autism. And I just want to share my gratitude to you for listening in. Uh, I offer these free resources each week to help you on this journey, and we have reached over 100,000 downloads, and I've been told we are number one in the autism genre for podcasts, so I'm very excited to share that with you, and again, I could not have done it without you, and what helps immensely is if you have time, if you could take just a minute to go onto iTunes and give me a five-star review. Uh, if you feel it's worthy. And that way, the more positive reviews there are on the show, the more people when they're searching for uh, these types of things uh, can find them more easily. And there are a lot of parents out there, especially as we know, the new CDC number released is one in 36 children is now diagnosed with autism. So our community is growing and there are a lot of parents searching for these resources. So if you could help me to reach them and them to find these resources, that would be, I would be very grateful. Um, and so I'm sure would they. Uh, so again, thank you for that. Today's episode, I think you're going to be very, very interested in, we're going to talk about Lyme disease 
the causes and some prevention. This is episode 167, 167. So I will link to show notes at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 167, because I'm going to give a couple of things, a couple of ways, uh, natural repellents, spray repellents, uh, some links to them and some other resources that may be helpful for you as we're approaching spring and summer and our kids are outside more and, you know, they're in shorts and they're, you know, their skin is exposed and they might be in grasses, especially tall grasses and things that carry lime and ticks. And um, also it's important to know too, that it used to be just from a tick bite. And now because really, because the globe is getting becoming so much warmer that these insects are becoming virulent. They're becoming much stronger. The winters aren't cold enough to kill all of them off these days. So they, they live and then they're just stronger. And then when spring and summer arise, they, um, they're, they're just more of it around. Um, Lyme disease is definitely on the rise. One in every four children, they say on the autism spectrum tests positive for Lyme. It's the fastest growing vector borne infection with over 300,000 cases, new cases a year. And the number is said to be an underestimate. As I know it is for children on the autism spectrum, these symptoms of Lyme, which I'll talk about in a moment, mimic the symptoms of autism. And they can also be a reason why your child is not getting well. If you've heard any of my classes that I've taught, I talk about the four stages of autism recovery. The co-infections, including Lyme, are in stage three. It's very important to get an A to Z uh, for all of the uh, autism symptoms on recovery so that you get the best results because often these things are missed. And uh, the inaccuracy of the testing is uh, exceptional. I mean, they, the tests for Lyme disease are very inaccurate. So most people test and they don't even come up positive when they actually have it. And so it never gets worked with and if it does get found, it's usually worked with improperly. So I'll discuss a little bit of that in today's episode as well. Uh, it again, continues to be underdiagnosed. So these numbers are very, very uh, below what the truth is. I have been told and read that it's close to 100% of children with autism now have Lyme. Uh, so very, very common again. The, uh, the Center for Disease Control's uh, inad inadequate established bands and markers used in the detection in these blood tests are a good part of the reason why it's not found. So Lyme disease is usually, again, contracted by a tick bite. And some of these ticks can be as small as a poppy seed and go completely unnoticed. And Lyme can be passed in utero from mom to the baby, as well as in breast milk. So it's very important to know that if you have Lyme or symptoms, which I'll discuss in a moment, then uh, your child could easily have contracted it from you. Uh, it's very, very, um, you know, very much, e very easily passed in those two ways. Lyme can also be passed from mosquitoes, sand fleas. So if you're playing at the beach a lot, um, which I personally love to do, head lice, uh, kids get that at school and other insects these days. So it's not just ticks anymore. Some of the symptoms of Lyme disease, which can also mimic other disorders, including autism, are attention deficit disorder, ADD, learning difficulties, obsessive compulsive disorder, depression, anger and rage, very, very common to see rageful anger with Lyme, tantrums, increased uh, oppositional behavior, abdominal pain, headaches, 
night sweating, chills, possible fever or flu-like symptoms, frequent urination, sudden onset of sleep disturbance, joint pain and neck pain, fatigue, difficulty breathing, dry cough, sole of foot pain, pain on the soles of the foot, visual problems, poor balance, hand flapping, emotional withdrawal, irritability, reduced social participation, red and purple stretch marks can be anywhere on the body. We'll talk about these today. They're often, I see them on the hips a lot. Bell's palsy, facial drooping, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and heart conditions. So I know that covers a lot. And as we know, especially with autism, uh, again, with many of the causes, the underlying root causes of autism, many of the symptoms of different toxins, pathogens, uh, and other environmental issues will, the, the symptoms will overlap. So it's again, important to have that A to Z protocol. Uh, so I'm going to go into a little bit of sciencey stuff here just for a moment, but I just want you to have some background on it. Lyme disease is Borreliosis. So Borrelia is a scientific name for Lyme. Borrelia is the bacteria that causes Lyme disease. And then there's Bartonella. So these are different types of the words that you will hear around Lyme. Bartonella is a bacterial disease starting with a red mark that can become swollen and discolored or even look like stretch marks. Now Bartonella, especially in immunocompromised people, is known to trigger new blood vessels to grow from pre-existing ones. So there's a theory that Bartonella can trigger the growth of new blood vessels into stretch marks or even cause the stretch marks, making them red or purplish looking. So Bartonella can cause a linear rash, it's known as Bart tracks. They can have an appearance similar to stretch marks, often red and around the pelvic region. While this seems to be very specific for Bartonella, there is now data based on skin biopsies to suggest that Borrelia burgdorferi, Borrelia, Borrelia, the bacteria that causes Lyme disease, can also be found in the same location as Bartonella on the skin. So the next one we're going to talk about is Babesia. Again, this is another form of uh, something that is associated with part of Lyme. Babesia is a tiny parasite that infects your red blood cells. Babesia is spread by the bite of an infected black-legged or deer tick. It can also be spread by transfusion of contaminated blood and possibly from an infected mother to her baby during pregnancy or delivery. And it says Babesiosa has been said to not be spread from person to person directly through saliva, but it can be spread in utero and through breast milk. The same tick that carries the Babesia parasite can also carry the corkscrew-shaped bacteria responsible for Lyme disease. A 2016 study found that up to one-fifth of people diagnosed with Lyme were also infected with Babesia. Many people who are infected with Babesia feel fine. They don't have any real symptoms, and some people develop maybe nonspecific flu-like symptoms or fever or chills, sweats, headache, body aches, loss of appetite, nausea, kind of feeling sick in the stomach a lot, or fatigue. And it can also lead to a special type of anemia called hemolytic anemia. 
a condition where the red blood cells are destroyed, lasting from several days to several months. So you can see again how the crossing over of these different types of things with associated with Lyme can be uh, somewhat challenging to uh, to treat. So we had I, I looked up and went into some studies on how antibiotic resistant these actually are. So here's a quote from Dr. Horowitz's publication in 2016, the use of Dapsone as a novel persister drug in the treatment of chronic Lyme disease, post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. And I'll link to this in the show notes so you can go read it. I'll put a post on, I always put a post on my website with the links and, uh, and text version for you to go back and listen to again or read again. Um, Johns Hopkins, John Hopkins research in 2015, as well as researchers from Northeastern University, Kim Lewis and colleagues, demonstrated that Borrelia burgdorferi can form persister cells. Persisters are a small fraction of quiescent bacterial cells that survive lethal antibiotics, but can regrow, leading to post-treatment relapse. Examples include mycobacterium, syphilis, endocarditis, and biofilm infections. So does antibiotic resistance play a role in Bartonella infections? Yes, antibiotic resistance plays a significant role in Bartonella infections. In the April 2019 issue of Antibiotics, research on antibiotic resistance from Johns Hopkins was published in the article identification of FDA approved drugs with activity against stationary phase Bartonella Hensley. What they found was that a number of drugs that were not routinely used for Bartonella and without previous evidence for antibacterial activity did in fact completely eradicate the stationary phase B Hensley after three days of culture. They also found that the drugs currently used to treat Bartonella such as rifampin, azithromycin, and cyproflaxin had poor activity against the stationary B. Hensley. This is consistent with what we're seeing in clinical practice. Many patients are being treated with conventional antibiotics and not getting better. And this is causing other doctors to question the diagnosis of the infection in these patients. These patients can have a chronic infection with Bartonella and yet not respond to treatment. So this is why I always work naturally and safely with herbal formulas that in my programs that are made very specific for these developing type of co-infections and fight these specific bacteria. This is very important to understand. If our children, especially with autism, take antibiotics, What's happening is that they are non-discriminatory and those antibiotics will kill off the good microbiome and, and gut bacteria that they still have that they're already depleted in as well as some of the bad. So what happens is when you stop taking the antibiotics after seven or 10 days, then those bad bacteria can just thrive in the gut and make the issue they had prior even worse because none of the or less of the good bacteria is there to help bite them off. So you can end up being much worse off afterwards than you were to begin with. And also remember that the gut controls the brain and 80% of the immune system. 
So again, it's why I always start with healing the gut, supporting detoxification pathways, as setting a strong foundation for anything else that we're doing for autism recovery before we move forward. So important. And I so often see this done wrong, incorrectly, and ineffectively. I have parents that 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 have that find me after decades of working with their kids and they didn't get results before. And that's why we get results in my programs. So it's important to understand the differences and why you might see some plateauing on the autism recovery uh, journey with your child so that you know that there is still hope, that they, that there are answers to these you know, these things that, that might be perplexing you as to why your child might not be getting better. So let's talk about testing for Lyme. As mentioned above, detection of Lyme through the standard blood test is minimal at best. It's common to get false negatives. And this, this means that if the blood test comes up negative, you may actually be positive. So what do you do? If you decide to test, which I personally think is a, a large waste of money, but if you decide to test, your best practice is to wait until your child's gut is healthy and the toxins have been reduced greatly and their immune system is stronger before testing. This allows blood markers to have a better chance at least of showing up in the blood test. Not that it means they will, but a better chance. This said, again, it does not mean those, those positive results will show up even though your child is or is positive. So as a personal rule, uh, I don't like to do tick analysis, you know, as, as any type of reliable method, uh, although it's used for supportive information sometimes, but it's very inaccurate. So you can't really trust it, but currently the resource, you know, the best way is to go with symptoms. Labs should always come secondary to patient symptoms. And that's why it's important to learn what these symptoms for various things are so that you might be able to understand it and have more knowledge about what is causing certain things. And that just has, has made me think right now, I'm going to go ahead and link to um, episode 134 of my podcast. And it's called what the title of it is, what causes the symptoms of autism. And as I go through the various toxins, co-infections and different things that cause symptom behaviors, then you're looking at some possible underlying causes. And again, you can see how they overlap. So it's very important to understand that you do want to make sure that you're doing an A to Z. You're covering all my four stages, healing the gut, uh, natural safe heavy metal detoxification, stage three, clearing the co-infections. There are many of them. And one is Lyme and another is mold, parasites, the other issues. And then we do brain support repair when everything is out of the way and we start to know what our child's needs really are and and what you know if they what needs they still have left. So um, I'll link to that, but it's naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 134, what causes the symptoms of autism. Prevention of Lyme via tick or other insect bites is important to be out in nature. Really, really important. We want to get our feet into the earth. Our children need our need to be in, in dirt and in sand and, uh, and not, you know, we're, we're in cement or on cement so often and the earth and nature is very important for us, but we have to be aware of ticks and mosquitoes, et cetera, that do help, you know, possibly contract Lyme disease and other bacteria. So anything to know with anything with DEET, D-E-E-T or toxic ingredients should absolutely be avoided. You know, things like off repellent are very toxic. So do not use them. We're, we're spraying a, a harsh 
pesticide chemical right on our skin when we use those things and they're quite dangerous. And our kids with autism are already loaded with toxins so they can't take more and it can you can actually see an up an increase in symptoms in your child by using things like that because you're increasing their toxic load. So here are some natural tick and insect repellents that I have found to be very beneficial. These are external sprays. You can spray them on the skin and on your clothing as well. Um, so they can be very helpful. Uh, two, uh, they're for mosquitoes, tick, et cetera. One is called Repel. It's a plant-based lemon eucalyptus insect repellent made with essential oils. And I will link to it uh, uh, online. There's a resource online you can get it at. Um, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but you want to, of course, with anything, try a small patch of skin before applying it everywhere, just to be sure there aren't sensitivities. And then the other one that I've used regularly uh, for years is called Terra Shield essential oil spray from the company Deterra. And Terra Shield is all, uh, already has a carrier, carrier oil in it to make it less sensitive for anyone to use. So um, there's less skin sensitivity for this one as well. Uh, and again, I've used it for uh, many years and found it to be very helpful. And uh, I will link to uh, to where to purchase that as well in the show notes for you. Uh, so either product can be sprayed on clothing or on skin to repel. But of course, long sleeves and long pants are really best if they're in grasses, in things that could do where the ticks could be adhering to those grasses and then you walk by them and they rub off onto your clothing uh, or of course your skin. Um, although it is good for us to have sun on our skin because we need that vitamin D, but if you're in tall grasses and things like that, then, you know, it is good to cover up so that there's less chance of contracting ticks. So again, um, you know, this is where the ticks, ticks like to reside around these grasses, uh, solid clothing can also be easier to see bugs on than multicolored or patterned clothing. So that might be helpful for you to helpful for you to just keep in mind. And then before you go into your house, of course, you want to check your clothing and make sure if you see anything at all, the clothing is taken off outside. And know that about six minutes of high heat in a dryer has been shown to kill ticks on fabrics. So as soon as you come inside with those that clothing, you can, if you're, even if you don't see them, because remember they're, they can be poppy seed size. If you think that you possibly could have been in areas with ticks, then take those clothes and throw them straight into the dryer on high heat for six minutes um, with everything that you've been wearing. And um, for about 20, you know, and then you can go even on the highest setting for about 20 minutes. Um, I also think this is a good idea with doing with uh, sheets or even with sleeping bags and things if you've been camping. Uh, an internal tick repellent, um, and this one's very interesting, but uh, they have used this with, with dogs, uh, a couple drops in water a little bit, um, and found it to repel ticks off dogs. And uh, it's something that uh, we can use to help fight biofilm, which is actually a matrix that things like candida and parasites will will build around themselves to um, protect themselves. So in, when we're doing a protocol to kill those things off and eradicate them, we um, we want to get through the biofilm anyway. So this can also be helpful. Cystis and canis, which is also called rock rose herbal tea. It's an herb that fights the biofilm, again, which is important in its own, but it also helps naturally repel ticks. So if you drink some of the tea every day or take a tincture, which is again, a higher concentration and really easier to get enough in, 
then it can be helpful as a, as just a kind of a natural repellent. Bacteria and viruses again, surround themselves with this protective matrix called biofilm. And in within biofilm bacteria are a hundred to a thousand times within, when they're inside of this biofilm, they're a hundred to a thousand times harder to kill. And they resist antibiotics, antifungals, disinfectants, and antivirals. So um, cystis can be very helpful. It's been shown to break down this protective biofilm and shown to repel ticks again when ingested as tea or tincture. And I will link to a tea and a tincture in the show notes, but generally sipping small amounts throughout the entire day of the tea is really important. And if you're really trying to fight biofilm with it, it can be up to like up to six cups of it a day. But if you're um, just wanting to have some in your system, you know, if you just are sipping little bits throughout the day all the time, especially prior to when you know you're going to be out in grasses or out, or you can drink it every day. Start with small amounts, of course, especially with your kids, because um, if we are killing off, you know, fighting the biofilm, then it could help to our body to fight off the, the you know, pathogens and other things that we that are living in them. And as they do that, then they can die and those that could release this, we know as die off symptoms, which then will can increase the, the toxins in the body, even though it's a good thing that those pathogens are being killed off a little bit. So any symptoms might just be from the excess toxins in the body as that is happening, as they're trying to be excreted again, back to where we want toxin binders. But I just wanted to put that little notation in this for you, not to confuse you, but if your child's drinking a little bit of it and you say, boy, all of a sudden I saw some symptoms in my child, some increased symptoms, it could be that they're having a little bit of a die-off reaction. So again, toxin binders can be helpful if that happens. Uh, so sipping cystus tea uh, generally throughout the day uh, and especially, you know, really build it up in your system. If you know you're going camping or you're really going to go for a hike or somewhere, you might have some uh, exposure to ticks and grasses then maybe having sipping tea for, you know, uh, a, a week before you go. And then while you're there, really having some in your system, there's a tincture that they make also, um, which is an alternative to tea um, that is really much more concentrated and kind of a nice option. If you prefer not to have to make so much tea every day, you can just put it, it lasts a really long time because you can start with just a drop a day in the beginning and then work your way up to a little bit more, um, and uh, over time, but that will get some into your system. And again, you can avoid having to, to make so much tea all the time. Um, it's just a matter of convenience really. And it is a bit more concentrated too. So it's a bit stronger than the tea. Um, so preventing the spread of Lyme to children, Lyme again is transferred in utero to the unborn fetus, passed through breast milk, and some of the bacteria can be spread in saliva. So be sure to properly work with Lyme prior to conception to avoid the transverse or at least minimize it. If you know you have Lyme or you've been bitten by a tick or an insect that may have caused you to feel sluggish or ill afterwards, maybe even notice something right away, then know it's that, that it is likely to be that you're carrying it. If you've given birth since then or breastfed since then, then it's likely your child has contracted it from you. And Lyme again mimics those symptoms of autism or many of them as we already went through today. And remember, it doesn't show up in most tests and is often antibiotic resistant. So let symptoms be your absolute best guide as you move forward. Another little caveat here I wanted to, uh, to make sure I shared with you before we, we completed this podcast was 
that Lyme lives inside of parasites. So our kids often have parasitic infections. Often, again, the tests are inaccurate because parasites actually have an, an innate intelligence that allows them to hide. And so they often don't show up in testing even when your child has it. And on that episode that I did, number 134, I go into many of the symptoms of parasites. They'll overlap as you'll see some of these symptoms of, of Lyme. They'll overlap some of the symptoms of heavy metals. All of these things should be worked with, especially if you're doing it safely and naturally, then you don't have to worry about doing any harm and only making sure that you're covering all of the broad spectrum and things that could be affecting your child and the underlying root causes to some of their symptoms of autism so that they can sleep better, have better speech, have more con control over their moods and be calmer and more peaceful, happier, focus better, all of the things that we work with as far as their symptoms. Again, always remember there are underlying root causes and I always work with them naturally and safely. I think that's key. Um, so whenever you're doing any kind of parasite eradication, it's important to address Lyme simultaneously because again, Lyme lives inside of the parasites. So if we kill off the parasites and then don't work with the Lyme at all, then the Lyme can release, it becomes opens, it opens up out of the parasite, releases into the bloodstream and can cause a newer systemic case of Lyme symptoms in you or your child or in the host's body. So that's important to know too. Um, sometimes I've noticed that parasites and Lyme uh, can live in the mouth. And so after dental work, you may see some type of a release as well of, or heightened symptoms. And it could be from these, these two uh, also. Uh, just as an additional resource, uh, I always like to give it when I talk about Lyme in any way, the International Lyme and Associated Disease Society, or ILADS.org, uh, is a place where you can get a lot of resources and other information about Lyme as well. So I always just like to link to it in show notes when I talk about Lyme. So I hope this has been very, very helpful for you because, again, as spring approaches, we want to be able to get our kids outside in summer and, and enjoy ourselves. So hopefully these natural repellents and having some of this other knowledge uh, about these things and, and some solutions there can be helpful for you and ease your mind because uh, I have been getting parents writing me about this, like, you know, you know, it's springtime and you, we want to go outside and we want to go hiking, but what do I do? So I thought I need to create a podcast for everybody so that you can listen to this and I'm a huge advocate of exercise and of being outdoors. So eat healthy, exercise, get your kids outside and have a good time. Uh, I hope this episode was helpful for you. Again, if you get a chance to go on and give me a, a, a happy review on iTunes, um, it does help people to find these resources uh, who need them just like uh, you and I uh, do as well. So I hope it's helpful for you. Take care and I'll see you soon.